Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Hey, take out your Bibles, turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 23. 2 Chronicles chapter 23. We are continuing sermon series. We kind of took a a break last week, talked about some of the events in Paris, uh, what was going on around the world. But we are finishing up our uh, sermon series, and it comes from 2 Chronicles 7, when after the temple is built... Uh, Solomon prays to God and says, remember this place, uh, uh, when we sin, always bring us back to you. And Solomon, uh, in his prayer, God comes to him and answers and says, when people sin against me, if they will do four things, then I will always be there for them. The four things were to humble yourself, admit that you're wrong. Uh, I've done something wrong against God, so you have to humble yourself. Second, pray. Uh, so you're humbling yourself. You're trying to reestablish that relationship with God through prayer. Three, you're seeking God's will. So humility, prayer, seeking God's will. Okay, I've messed up. What do you want me to do? And then finally, to repent, to stop the bad you're doing and to start doing good. And we said repentance is more than just stopping bad. It's starting to do good. So those are the four things God says he expects from us uh, when we turn away from him. Humility, prayer, uh, seeking his will and repentance. God said if we will do that, then he will do something. If when we do those things, we respond, then God will hear, he will forgive, and he will restore and heal us. And uh, what a great message that is, restoration, healing that comes from God. So that's the pattern that God has given. We do those things, if we do them, then God will respond in his way. We're going to look at a story over in Second Chronicles chapter 23, and we're going to see how this plays out. Those very things that we're talking about. If we do them, we're going to find God's blessing, God's forgiveness, God's healing. If we ignore God and want to continue on in our own way, we're going to find that life gets a lot tougher and a lot harder. And uh, that's exactly what we're going to see in our scripture passage. So let me give you a little background because the background is, is fairly detailed here. And I'll just do it in a minute or so. There was a king by the name of Jehoshaphat. Uh, anybody here... Great jumping Jehoshaphat. Are you all too young for that? Anybody remember that? Uh, all right, one person. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, you know, uh, but that used to be a singing. Jehoshaphat was a very good king. All right. Did things right. Followed the Lord. God blessed him. Everything went really well. Uh, when he died, he provided very well for all of his children, gave them large inheritances. And uh, his son Jehoram became king after him, the eldest son. Now, Jehoram was married to the daughter of Ahab, and Ahab was the most wicked king Israel had ever had. At this point, Israel was divided between two kingdoms, Judah and Israel. And uh, Ahab was a very wicked king. Jehoram was married to his daughter. What Jehoram does when he becomes king, the very first thing he does is he murders every one of his brothers and sisters. So there can be no one else come to the throne. So he's had a very good father. He murders all of his brothers and sisters, thinks he's secured his throne. 
Well, just as God says, God comes to him and warns him and says, what you did wasn't right. You've broken the ways of the Lord. You need to repent. You need to come back to me. Humble yourself, pray, seek my face, turn from your wicked ways. Jehoram refuses to do that. Because of that, God brings problems upon Israel. Countries attack Israel. There's constant tension and turmoil throughout the world. Jehoram refuses to repent until finally Jerusalem itself is sacked. Jehoram still refuses to repent. And so God gives him an incurable disease of his bowels, which just doesn't sound good to me. Uh, I don't know. Doctors, it uh, doesn't sound good to me. I don't know. Uh, whatever. And he ends up dying in misery. All right. Well, uh, when Jehoram dies, his son uh, succeeds him. Uh, his son is named Ahaziah and Ahaziah only reigns one year. He's also very evil, uh, but he is assassinated. And uh, after he is assassinated, his grandmother, the daughter of, of uh, Ahab, Athaliah, kills all of her grandchildren who could become king and she becomes the queen. All right. So now this is kind of a a, a sordid family uh, problem that's going on here. But one of the grandchildren is saved. It's an infant. And his nurse takes him to the temple and hides him in the temple. He lives in the temple for seven years. After seven years, the high priest Jehoiada comes out and proclaims that the new king is now on the throne. All of the Levites grab their weapons to go to battle. Uh, Athaliah is deserted by the army and she is put to death. And the new king, Joash, at seven years old, takes to the throne. All right. Now everybody got that completely clear? A lot of turmoil, a lot of bad stuff. Seven-year-old now on the throne. Okay, that's where we're at. That that was the Cliff Notes uh, version of all that. By the way, if you use Cliff Notes, don't. All right, study. Uh, that's just another another throw back there for you. All right. So now, have you ever seen people that just make really bad decisions all the time? Just do really stupid things, and you wonder what are they thinking? You know, there's entire television shows about dumb criminals. You know, and you look at it and go, well, what's wrong with these people? When I was reading one this week, I got a picture of the dumb criminals right here. Uh, these geniuses robbed an In-N-Out burger in New York. And uh, when they were leaving, they passed the salad bar and there was macaroni salad on the salad bar. So they took out the entire thing of macaroni salad. And while they're running down the street, they're eating the macaroni salad. OK, and they're passing it back and forth to one another, because I guess when you rob a story, it makes you hungry, you know, gets the adrenaline flowing and everything. And uh, so the police show up. They're told, you know, we've been robbed. The police go out on a search for these people and they begin to follow a trail of macaroni and they follow it all the way down the street down an alley up an apartment complex down the hall and right to one door in an apartment they knock on the door and somebody answers it holding a uh, thing of macaroni salad and they arrest them okay that's there so not the smartest people in the world people who tend to make bad decisions over and over again and sometimes we're not that much different and we're going to look now at the story of Joash and, uh, and look back and see how Joash uh, makes some bad decisions. God gives him ample opportunity to repent and he refuses. The first thing we see as we look into our scripture is this. The people in our life influence the decisions that we make. The people in our life will influence the decisions that you are going to make. 
Now, here is some rocket science for you. Take this down, Chip's Advanced Theology. Good influences will help you do good. Bad influences will cause you to do bad. Okay, that now, seriously, that is the advanced theology I'm going to give you here today. All right, so let's break those down. Number one, people who are good influences in your life will help you make good decisions. Who would have ever thought that? People who are good influences in your life will help you to make good decisions. Look at chapter 24, verse 1. Joash was seven years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 40 years. His mother's name was Zibiah. She was from Beersheba. Now that's put in there to say she wasn't one of those Ahab people. Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Wow, isn't that great? Joash does right in the eyes of the Lord. Guess what? That sentence doesn't end there. Keep reading. All the years that Jehoiada Jehoiada was priest. He does right in the eyes of the Lord all the years that Jehoiada is the priest. So when he had good influences in his life, he tended to make good decisions. So he's seven years old. Jehoiada, the priest, is basically a father figure. He's protected him in the temple. He's helped raise him. All of his family's dead. They've been murdered by his grandmother. Uh, And so when he becomes king, Jehoiada becomes a major influence in his life. He helps lead him, direct him. And then as he becomes to get more and more responsibility and becomes an adult, Jehoiada stays as the most prominent person in his life. Good influences causes him to make good decisions and he does what is right in the eyes of the Lord. It's still true today. When people are in your life that are helping you make good decisions that are positive influences, then you're going to find that more times than not, you're probably going to listen and have those good things rub off on you that you're being influenced to do. I had a a high school, the, the guidance counselor of the local high school in Virginia was a member of our church. And she told me one time at a Wednesday night dinner, we were sitting there talking and she said, you know, Chip, I can just look at a student's records and I can see how many times they've been in trouble and I can see what kind of grades that they are making. And eight out of 10 times without fail, I can tell you what kind of parents they have and what kind of friends they have. She said eight out of 10 times. Those are the two things that she hit on parents and friends. If you want good influences in your life, first of all, it starts with your parents. Parents, you need to be positive role models for your children. You need to be active in your children's life. You need to be people that are helping lead and direct your children. What's happened with parenting today, and it is destroying our country, is that parents have begun to coddle their children and give them everything in the world. We expect nothing from them. We don't want them to have to clean their room. We don't want them to have any responsibilities around the house. We don't want them to ever try to get a job to get money so that they can buy something. We want to give them everything their entire life. And whenever they get in trouble, what we want to do is get them out of trouble. But that's not the job of being a parent. That's the job of being an enabler that causes your children not to be able to function. Okay. The job of a parent is to give your child the resources that they need to live the kind of life you want them to live when you're not around. 
because you're not always going to be there. Your children are going to grow up and move and get married and everything else in the world. And you had better have raised your children to be able to live in a tough world out there that's going to do everything it can to bring them down. But you've given them the resources and you've given them opportunity to live that kind of life when they're away from you. That's the job of a parent. And so, parents, we need to begin to look at how are we raising our children because sometimes, even in our good intentions, we're causing our children to become very self-centered. And that's what I see. As I look out at a lot of young people today, they're very, very self-centered. We think by loving them, what's going to happen is that uh, they become loving back to others. But our smothering kind of protective, hovering love just means all they think about themselves and not other people. How about having them go out and and help in a soup kitchen, volunteer down here at EACM, do things that help to put together an Operation Christmas Child Box to think beyond themselves. So that's the first thing. But second, friends. Friends have a major impact in the lives of, of people. Your friends, more than anything else, are going to dictate whether you have positive or negative influences in your life. If your friends are positive, if your friends at school are people that study hard and, uh, and make good grades and those kind of things, you're more likely going to study hard and make good grades because those are the influences that are around you. So people who are good influences help us make Good decisions. And we see that in our scripture passage again and again. Look down again uh, in chapter uh, 24 uh, down to verse uh, 15. Now Jehoiada was old and full of years and he died at the age of 130. He was buried with the kings in the city of David because of the good he had done in Israel for God and for the temple. And if you look up, I'm sorry, at the end of verse 14 as well. As long as Jehoiada lived, burnt offerings were presented continually in the temple of the Lord. So as long as Jehoiada Jehoiada lived, that's hard to say. Jehoiada. Everybody try that one time. Everybody Jehoiada. Boy, you are better at it than I am. Okay. All right. So as long as he lived, positive influences Things going real well. Those positive influences are causing him to make good decisions. Anybody here ever hear of a basketball player by the name of Karan Butler? Yeah, Karan Butler has been around for years. What you might not know is that by the time Karan Butler turned 14 years old, he had been in jail 15 times. He was an active drug dealer from 11 to 14. He had been arrested uh, 14 times. When he was arrested the 15th time, he was put in jail for two years. And he said that, uh, you know, in, in, in juvie. And he said that in first day in juvie, he got in a big fight uh, because he was the tough guy. And he took a guy down to show he was in charge and they put him in solitary confinement. And they kept him in solitary confinement for three months. And nobody contacted him. Nobody came to see him. All of those bad influences that had been around him were suddenly gone. And the only person that ever showed up or wrote was his grandmother. And his grandmother would do one thing. Every single day, he would receive a letter from his grandmother. And it would be nothing but scripture passages. And it would end with, I love you. Now, he would just take them and throw them away for about a month. But he was in there for three months. And he started to get bored. So guess what Karan Butler started to do? Started to read those scripture passages. And at the end of it, read, I love you from his grandmother over and over again. When they let him out, he decided that he was going to do a little bit different. When they let him out of solitary, there was a basketball court. He started playing basketball. 
and he's found out he was pretty good at playing basketball, uh, that he was going to get his life different and straight. And he kept reading every day those scripture passages his grandmother gave him. I got a picture here. That's Karan Butler in the solitary cell where he was uh, reading his Bible now uh, with some of the he's still got some of the scriptures his grandmother gave him uh, that he's placed in his Bible uh, there. When Karan Butler got out of juvie, his life was different. He'd given it to Jesus Christ, went on to the University of Connecticut and has now played uh, almost two decades uh, in the NBA. Got a picture of him here right uh, there right now. Good influences can point people in the right direction and make all the difference in the world. People who have good influences, they help us make good decisions. But there's a flip side to that. People who are bad influences help us make bad decisions. And we see that in the life of Joash as well. So here's Joash. His entire life has been good. He's had this priest that's led him. Everything is going great. Jehoiada dies. And that's where we pick up in our scripture passage, verse 17, verse 17, chapter 24. After the death of Jehoiada, the officials of Judah came and pay homage to the king and he listened to them. You see, probably up to this time, most people thought the center of power was with the priest Jehoiada. But now that he's dead, they know they've really got to butter up Joash, the king. And so now that Jehoiada is dead, all the officials come to Joash and they start telling him, hey, look, he wanted you to do this. He was always in charge. He was holding you down. He was keeping you from having fun. He's keeping us from being like everybody else. And we're told Joash listened to them. And so now suddenly the good influences have been changed to bad influences. All the people that are his age. Look, we don't want to follow those old time things. You know, let's get with the new stuff. You know, get up to date. Start living the way uh, that the rest of the world is living. Look at verse 18. And so he abandoned the temple of the Lord, the God of his fathers. He worshiped Asherah poles and idols. And because of their guilt, God's anger came upon Judah and Jerusalem. The first thing he did was abandon the temple. Now think of that this way. The first thing he did when the bad influences started in his life is he stopped going to church. Okay? That's the first thing that happened. He abandoned the temple. How many times have we seen that? Kids go off to college. Uh, they, they've been in the youth group. Their parents have kind of hovered over them. Everything fine. Suddenly they're at a different place in a different city. And the first thing they do is they abandon the temple. They stop going to church. So any opportunity for positive influences now that they're away from home have been taken away from them. And that's the first thing that Joash does. He stops going to the temple. Then he goes from one extreme to the other. He goes from stopping going to the temple to starting doing things that were wrong and worshiping idols. And again, isn't that the same slippery slope? We get away from God and then we start doing things we shouldn't. And all of this is coming from the bad influences that were in Joash's life. And so slowly now he is on this downhill trek and we're told God is becoming angry at him and all of Judah and all of Jerusalem. People who are bad influences help us make bad decisions. One of the saddest examples of that was a former University of Louisville player, uh, uh, Shane Bahannon. And uh, you all probably all know the story. Uh, he was involved with some gangs and gang influences in Cincinnati, uh, Ohio, uh, when he was in high school. His mother actually moved him to friends in Bowling Green, Kentucky to get him away 
from the bad influences in Cincinnati uh, because they were so prevalent in his life. He was a star at Bowling Green High School, signed with UofL, great player there, uh, helped UofL win the national championship, but then was abruptly kicked off the team the summer after the national championship. And what it was found out is he was back on drugs again. But more than that, what had happened was his friends from Cincinnati were coming to Louisville over and over again and leading him back into those things his mother tried to get him away from. He ended up being kicked off the UofL team, tried to get into the development league, uh, has been with three different teams and has now not made it with any development team. Bad influences in our life help us make bad decisions. So good influences, good decisions most of the time. Bad influences, bad decisions most of the time. Here's the question to ask yourself. Do your friends pick you up and make your life better? Or do your friends pull you down and cause you to get in trouble? Because if your friends are causing you to get in trouble every time you're with them, if they're asking you to do things you know you shouldn't do, then they are not truly your friends. If your friends are not building you up, instead they're tearing you down, then you need to find a new set of friends. And that brings us to the next thing we see in our scripture. Regardless of the influences in our life, we are still responsible for the decisions we make. Regardless of the decisions in your life, you are still personally responsible for the decisions that you make. Look down to verse uh, 17 again of our scripture passage. After the death of Jehoiada, the officials of Judah came and paid homage to the king and he listened to them. Did he have to listen to them? No, he was the king. They just came and told him some things, gave him some influence. Oh, you don't need all this God stuff. You need to live like the rest of the world. He wanted to be popular. He wanted to go along with what everybody else was doing. He listened to them, but the decision on how he was going to behave and what he was going to do was his own. Nobody twisted his arm. Nobody held him down with a gun to his head. He made his own decision. And regardless of the influences in your life, you make a decision on how you're going to react and what you're going to do. You may have bad influences all around you, but you still ultimately make the decision on your behavior. Your friends and their influence are not making that decision. I remember one time uh, I I was counseling with a young man uh, at another church and he was a he was in rehab, and I went to rehab to see him. Uh, he'd been arrested, been put on drugs, and instead of putting him in jail, they'd given him another opportunity and put him into rehab. And I was sitting there talking to him, and, and he said, well, you know, it's just really hard when I get out. He said, I always get pulled back in. He said, you know, when I'm in here, you know, I get my, my head straight and I start reading the Bible and you come to see me, and then I get out and I have all those, those old influences and I get pulled back in. And I said, well, you about died this time. And I said, you think your friends are going to really want you to get back on a substance that almost killed you? And he said, yeah, they'll laugh at me and really get on me if I don't do it. And I said, well, then they're not your friends. They're your worst enemies. And you need to run from them. You see, my friends, you make the decision on how people are going to affect your life, you're the one that makes the ultimate decision. Regardless of the influences, we're responsible for our decisions. 
Karan Butler, when he got out of juvie and was trying to get his life straight, decided, well, I can't sell drugs to make money anymore. I have no money. My family's really poor. So what he started to do is work at Burger King. And back then, Burger King had really ugly uniforms. Any of you old folk like me remember the old Burger King uniforms? Man, they were atrocious, weren't they? And he said his friends would come to Burger King just to laugh at him. And to point at him and to tell him how stupid he was. And then when he would leave Burger King after work, they'd be waiting for him. And they'd be laughing at him. And they'd say, hey, Karan, did you make minimum wage today? Because we just sold a bag here and made a hundred bucks. And you've worked all day and made 20. And they would laugh at him and laugh at him. And he said, he made a decision that I don't care what they say about me. I'm going to get my life straight. And he ended up getting that scholarship to the University of Connecticut. But it was such a powerful influence in his life. You know what Karan Butler did? That's him today. He now owns six Burger King restaurants. Isn't that kind of neat? He now owns six Burger King restaurants. And you know what he does in his spare time? He works with at-risk kids in drug-infested neighborhoods and let them know that there is an opportunity to get out of this mess and to have hope. You see, you can have negative influences, but you make the decision on how you're going to live your life. And that brings us to the next thing that we see. Whenever you wander away from God, which is what Joash was doing, everything was good. He was doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Now he's messing up. Whenever you wander away from God... God will always warn you and try to bring you back to him. He will always warn you and try to bring you back to him. I don't care what you've done, how you've wandered away. God will always try to bring you back. If my people, the whole purpose of that is if my people just listen, if my people just come back, I'm there to what? Hear, hear, forgive, heal and restore. That's all God wants to do. So he will always warn us to bring us back. Look down to verse 19. Although the Lord sent prophets to the people to bring them back to him, and though they testified against them, they would not listen. So the first thing we're told in verse 19 is that God sends prophets. And not a prophet, not a one-time thing. He sent prophets over and over again to warn them. You know this isn't right. This isn't the way you were raised. This isn't what you know you should be doing. And over and over again, these prophets are trying to warn them. But we're told they would not listen. They wouldn't hear anything that was being said despite the warnings. And so God ups it. And what he does is he takes the son of Jehoiada who is the new high priest, Zechariah. And he sends Jehoiada's son to Joash. Surely he will respect him. This is the son of the guy who saved your life, raised you, put you on the right path. And so Zechariah, his son, somebody he knows closely and dearly. Look at verse 20. The spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest. And he stood before the people and said, why are you disobeying the Lord's command? You will not prosper. You have forsaken the Lord and he will forsake you. Look, God isn't trying to punish them. God's trying to get them back on the right path. Listen to what Zechariah says to them. The way you're living isn't going to prosper you. Why is God so interested in what's going on? Because the way they're living is going to bring them down and bring down everyone around them. 
And so he's trying to bring them back and give them some knowledge of the right way. And so now Zechariah, somebody that, that Joash knows well, his father was the most influential person in his life, has come and pleaded with him. This way isn't going to work. You know it's not going to work. Verse 21. So they plotted against Zechariah by the order of the king himself, and they stoned him to death in the courtyard of the Lord's temple. They not only don't listen to Zechariah, Joash has him murdered. King Joash remembered none of the kindness Zechariah's father Jehoiada had shown him. He killed his son. So there you have it. God will always warn us and try to bring us back to him. Why would people run through warnings that were clear? Do we ever do that in everyday life? A warning is pretty clear. It's pretty obvious. And we still do what we want to do. And then we pay the results of it. Here are a couple of times that happens. Uh, one right there. Okay. That's, that's too low for your truck to go through. But you're going to try it anyway. Anybody ever seen that? You see it all the time. If you've been in church, Nathan Bedford did it twice over here at Bedford Pass. You know, And the second time he said, as soon as I hit it, I thought, oh my goodness. I, I, I can't, I can't believe I've done it again. You know, uh, you know, so, so we still do that today. Despite the warnings we run head on. Here's another warning that was ignored right here. You know, uh, you know, so, you know, we, we run through warnings sometimes and we pay no attention to what's there. But when we wander away, God will always warn you to bring you back. Now you can ignore it, but I'm here to tell you without a doubt Every time, every time you wonder from God, he will continually try to warn you and bring you back to him. And those times will come up in your life. You'll see it as plain as the nose on your face if you will only listen to it. And then bring us to the last thing in our scripture. It's our pride that keeps us from returning to God. And when our pride gets in the way, we pay the consequences for our choices. Our pride will keep us from returning to God. Look down at verse 23. At the turn of the year, the army of Aaron marched against Joash. It invaded Judah and Jerusalem and killed all the later leaders of the people. They sent all of the plunder to their king in Damascus. Although the Aramean army had come with only a few men, the Lord delivered into their hands a much larger army. Why? Because Judah had forsaken the Lord, the God of their fathers, and judgment was being executed upon Joash. When the Arameans withdrew, they left Joash severely wounded. And his officials conspired against him for murdering the son of Jehoiada, the priest, and they killed him as he lay upon his bed. And so he died and was buried in the city of David, but they wouldn't even bury him in the tomb of the kings. Wow. How do you go from doing everything that's right in the sight of the Lord to the people being so disgusted with you they won't even bury you in the, in the valley of the kings any longer? Because Jehoiada, Joash made a choice and his choice brought him down. God wants you to know that if my people called by my name will humble themselves and come back to me, he will restore and heal and forgive. But if we ignore and do whatever we want, then we are going to pay the price for the way that we're living. And the number one thing that happens is pride gets in the way. We're just too proud, too proud to admit we're wrong, too proud to change the way we're living, too proud to see it God's way. 
And for Joash, that definitely brought him down. He was too proud to admit he'd messed up and that he couldn't do it without following the way that Jehoiada has set. But we see pride bringing people down all the time. Uh, recently, uh, there was a, a homeless man outside of Union Station in New York City. Picture of him right there. Uh, a guy came by as he was leaving Union Station. A uh, businessman saw him there, left him 10 bucks, went on down the road. About 15 minutes later, the guy was, the business guy was in a restaurant, a very fancy restaurant, and the homeless man came in, except he was wearing a different jacket. Uh, he sat down, ordered a fine meal, and when he left, his car was pulled up for him, and it was a brand new Mercedes. And the guy couldn't help it. He walked out and said, didn't I just give you $10 a few minutes ago? And he turned around and looked at the businessman and said, yeah, it's kind of funny. You want it back? And handed him his $10 back. And he said, I don't understand. And he said, oh, I take that dog with me. I make about $300,000 a year sitting outside Union Station. $300,000 he made because his dog was pretty. Well, he didn't know he was talking to one of the managing editors of the New York Times. So guess what happened the next day? His picture was on the front page of the New York Times talking about the money he was making begging. And guess what? Nobody gave him any money the next day. Pride had gotten in the way. And because of that, kind of ruined a pretty good, pretty good scam he had going there. Remember Lance Armstrong? Lance Armstrong was asked after his last Tour de France, did you really do this? There's all these allegations of doping and look at what he said. I'm sorry you don't believe in miracles, but I'm the greatest writer in the world. So when Lance Armstrong was found to be doping, he came down hard because people looked at his arrogance and they said, man, you're getting exactly what you deserve. People still run through warnings today. People still do stupid things all the time. But here's the hope for us. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive them, and I will heal them. I don't care where you've been, I don't care how you've been living, and I don't care how many times you've messed up. If you will humble yourself and come back to God, he will forgive and he will restore and heal you. But the decision is yours and you have to decide what you're going to do. And your decision is going to say a lot about what kind of life you're going to live. But for God, it's pretty plain. If my people, then I will heal. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you that you love us, that you give us opportunity after opportunity to come back to you because you don't want to punish us. You want to restore and heal us. Father, help us to realize today that that same offer is made to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. 
If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.